0: Okay, so Barry, what are some of the factors in the decision-making process in terms of which land to protect? Obviously, if something's coming up for sale, that's going to affect your priorities. Yeah, absolutely. All of the programs require there to be an application from the landowner. So even if it's a very desirable property and it's for sale, there's really not as much we can do about that. We've talked mostly about buying conservation easements on properties. Some communities can also buy property, buy the title to property. Not everybody wants to do that. Sometimes those properties can be purchased and held by a community as more of a nature preserve, but sometimes those communities will also purchase properties that are for sale, that where the landowner hasn't applied to the program because they don't want to see it be lost, and then place a conservation easement on it and then resell the property at a future time. But by and large, we're dealing with applications that come from the current landowners. I'm dealing with a couple of ones right now where the property is also for sale. So they're hedging their bets, if you will. If somebody comes along and offers them the amount of money they want to sell the property, then they'll sell the property. On the other hand, if that doesn't happen or we're able to work our process and purchase a conservation easement you know, sooner, then they'll do that as well. It doesn't really matter where the money comes from as long as it's U.S. currency, is what I always say. And if they still want to choose to sell the property at that point, they can. So going back to our example where the property's worth 8,000, the development rights are worth 5, the ag value is 3 after the easement's in place, they can sell the easement for $5,000 an acre and then turn around and sell the property for 3,000 bucks an acre. If they get all $8,000 out of it, It just comes in two different transactions from two different parties. Nevertheless, we require there to be an application for any of our programs. Those applications are scored on each individual entity's scoring system. Everybody produces their own set of priorities about how properties will be selected. And it includes things like the quality of the soils, how much road frontage it has, which is a factor for development. The more road frontage you got, the more attractive a property that it is. And from our purposes, it's a scenic resource. If it's got a lot of road frontage and people drive past it all the time, you'd like to maintain that scenic view going forward. So road frontage is a factor. Uh, Whether or not it has natural features, what's the surrounding zoning and surrounding land use for the property? What kind of matching funds can you leverage from this? Is the landowner willing to discount the sale price? There's a whole series of factors that each of my communities and other communities have developed over time to say, this is how we're gonna prioritize which properties we're gonna pursue. So once that scoring is completed, the properties get ranked and then we start pursuing the highest scoring properties as a result of that. And Barry, how do you solicit these applications? There's several ways that we go about doing that. I do a lot of work identifying where the best properties are, whether they're farmland or open space properties, identifying those landowners and reaching out to them I find that most people, even a number of years into a program, either don't really know about it or don't know about it at all or don't understand it. And it's really a personal connection that gets an application submitted to a program. And sometimes that can take years to do before people feel comfortable. Sometimes there's a change in circumstances uh, in the family. Somebody passes away, somebody has an illness, along those lines. So a lot of it is reaching out to those people, uh, establishing a relationship with them, generating some trust with them. And sometimes you get an application straight up and sometimes, like I said, it takes a while to do that. But that's definitely one of the best ways is to go out and establish that personal relationship with people. It lands a very personal thing to people, whether they've owned it for a few years or 150 years. And it's something they feel very strongly about and don't want to just do something that's not well thought out and it just takes a while for them to come round. So a lot of outreach goes into my work, certainly. Sometimes I get calls from realtors who say, hey, I, you know, I'm about to list this property, and thought it's one you might be interested in. Are you willing to take a look at it? And several times it's worked out where, yes, we will go out and either buy an easement on a property or actually buy the property. So sometimes the context can come in from an agent that's engaged by a landowner to sell the property. And sometimes it comes in reverse also, where I'll get called by somebody who is interested in buying a piece of property in a certain geographic area. Sometimes they want it to be conserved, and sometimes it doesn't matter to them. And either way, they could still conserve the property and oftentimes have that intention. We call those people conservation buyers, where they say, I want to buy land that's already been conserved because it costs me less money, and that's where I want to be anyway, on conserved land, or I'll buy this property and do an easement afterwards but that's clearly their intention of doing that. I'm working on a couple of projects along those lines right now, both in Webster Township, where I had a conservation buyer call me on the phone and say, I'm selling this other property. I'm gonna have income from that that's subject to capital gains tax. I wanna avoid that. I wanna buy other property with it. Do you know of anything? And I said, well, I know of this one 90-acre piece that's for sale right now. And the owners have applied to our program also, but they're wanting to sell the property. They're 90 some years old and it's time to cash in. So he has stepped in in that case and has a signed purchase agreement to buy the property at a market value and then fully intends to turn on and apply himself to the local program for selling an easement uh, once he gains title to the property, which I expect will be by the end of this calendar year. In another case, a property for sale, a farmer, a young farmer working at the farm incubator site in Ann Arbor Township that's called Tillian, Farm Development Center. Been there for several years, has a successful operation going there, wants to have her own place. She engaged a realtor and found this other property in Webster Township and approached the owners. This is a unique example, and I give her a lot of credit for doing this. She went in and offered to buy the property, but only after a conservation easement was conveyed first. And the owners agreed to that. They had applied, as I said previously, and we were looking at the property anyway. So it's a great candidate for conservation, but that's greatly enhanced then by the fact that here's this young farmer who wants to set up her vegetable growing operation on this piece of ground. And so now we're in the process of working out how we're gonna raise the funds to buy the conservation easement so she can buy the property after the easement's in place. How do we keep farmland in production? What are some of the best ways that come to your mind doing all this work? As I mentioned earlier, the conservation easements do not require, generally do not require the land to be put to an agricultural use. That is a retained right in the easement, so people can do that. They can rent it out for farming or farm it themselves, but they're not required to do that in most cases. The exception here in Washtenaw County for that is in Ann Arbor Township, where it was decided some years ago that for properties that were smaller than 40 acres, that if there was tillable land on it, arable land, that that part of the property had to be put to some agricultural use, whether that was by the owner of the property or by somebody who was renting the land from the property, it didn't matter, and it didn't matter what kind of agricultural use it had to be put to, it just had to be put to use. We did some research and found only one or two examples around the country where that had been done, and those are called affirmative conservation easements or has affirmative language in them. So generally, easements are what we call negative easements. It says you can no longer divide the property or build houses on the property or clear cut the woods or mine the surface for sand and gravel. And those are all true for affirmative easements as well, but in addition to that, it says you have to put the land to an agricultural use, whatever it is. And in that case, we develop with the owner of the property an agricultural production and stewardship plan that states what their intentions are, at least for the coming year, recognizing that things might change over time. But they say, this is what I plan to do with the property going forward. So for example, we've done three of these so far. One of them is pasture. It's uh, the property was bought by an adjacent farmer and he put up new fences and is uh, pasturing his cattle out there. That's an agricultural use of the property. In another case, the one we just closed uh, a couple of days ago is a hay field that is managed for hay that's used by the animals on the farm next door. So they're cutting hay and feeding the animals off of that property. That's an agricultural use of the property. In the third case, it's the 22 acre property about 12 acres is in woods that's actually owned by Washtenaw County Parks. They bought the fee interest in the property but there was about 10 acres of tillable ground in there and Ann Arbor Township said if our money's going into this it's less than 40 acres it's got to be put to an ag use. It had been in a corn soybean rotation you know worked by a local farmer and that's what continues to this day also on a lease from Washtenaw County Parks in that case but the land is required to be put to some ag use. So it could be pasture, it could be hay, it could be crops, it could be vegetables, it it could be any number of things. It just has to be put to an agricultural use. It can be by the owner, it can be by somebody they rent it to. If they are unable to find somebody, the township has said, we will help you find somebody to farm that property. We want to see it be put to ag use and contribute to the local economy in whatever way that is, and Township actually has the authority in that easement, in addition to enforcing the other terms of no divisions and houses and and all of that, that if the land after five years has not been put to an agricultural use, and and we haven't been able to, to find an arrangement that works for that landowner with a renter on the property, that the Township actually has the status in the easement to buy the property back from the landowner at that point, with the easement still in place, and to then sell the property to somebody else who is going to farm the property. Now, we've only been doing this for a few years and it's early on, and I hope that we don't get to that stage, but we do have the standing in the easement to do that if it comes down to it. As I said, there's only a couple of other programs across the country that are doing something like that. The other thing that I've seen used and we're talking about now in Ann Arbor Township is a right of first refusal on the property. So at some point, property's going to sell, What a right of refusal does in this case is to say that if the property is gonna be sold to somebody who's either not a farmer or not a family member, we allow for family members to buy property, then the township or the grantee of the easement has the ability to have a right of refusal to buy the property before that sale to a non-farmer happens. And we would sell it then to somebody else who was gonna farm the property so that the land would continue to be farmed. Those are the two things that I've come across in my research that a few places, a few more places are doing that around the country to ensure that land will remain in production. It doesn't become just an estate for somebody that goes out of production or just doesn't get utilized fully. So is that the motivation of a township or a, yeah, a locality that requires that is to keep the land in production? Yes, exactly. The primary interest of these townships or grantee organizations is to maintain open space, to have places where there's woods and there's wetlands and there's streams and there's farmland and not houses or gas stations or strip malls or whatever. That's the primary motivation. But in this one instance here, they taken an additional step and said, we actually want this land to be in production and this is how we're going to accomplish that.